0: Love Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody, bless the Lord. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday, and tonight we got a hot one. We um, will be talking uh, or studying uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and it has. It is relevant for today. Um, I believe that there's, there's so much in here, but it's all going to boil down to one principle, and I'll give you that principle um, right up front, and that is stay where you are. In spite of everything that we're going to study tonight, When you get finished with this chapter, the one overriding principle that you will see is that Paul is going to tell them, stay where you are. I I want you to get that up front, and I'm giving you that even before we pray, even before we read the scripture or anything. I want to burn that into your mind, stay where you are you are. Now, with that said, let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to go right into uh, chapter 7. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We give you the glory. Father, we thank you for your word. Some people look at it as a historical word, some people say, oh, that's, that was for back then, but now times are different. But your word reminds us that there is no new thing under the sun. Mama and used to say, same thing, different package. No matter what the devil comes up with, no matter what trial or tribulation, it's happened before. And the beautiful thing about it, God, is that You handled it before, and you can handle it again. So we thank you and we praise you. Now let us go into your word tonight, but don't let us go in by ourselves. Don't let us go in trying to understand it according to our own worldly wisdom. But instead, God, right now we ask for wisdom from above. Your word reminds us that if any man lack wisdom, Let him ask it of God, and that you'll give it liberally. And you won't make fun of us because we don't have it. So tonight, God, we ask for your wisdom. We ask that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into the word, that you, O God, would speak to us individually and collectively, that we might know the way to go. For you are the way. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathways. So help us, God. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before I go any further, let me say this to you, that you have to go back to the beginning of our study and remember that I told you where these people were coming from, that they were coming from all walks of life, that they had or under all different kinds of religious philosophies that that they were different nationalities, and so they had different worldviews. And what happens when you get all of these different minds and all of these different thoughts and all of these different people and all of these different cultures, and you bring them together as one? What you get is you get a mess. And so what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to clarify some things for them. Now, in this chapter, one of the things that you'll see is you'll see in evidence what is known as asceticism, and you'll also see uh, some, some the philosophy of the libertines. Now, the philosophy of the libertines was they rejected moral boundaries, and their philosophy was To live at liberty beyond, and no constraint. So if you want to do it, do it. If it feels good to you, do it some more. Versus the ascetics. Now, these are people who believe that uh, they they abstain from any form of self indulgence, Uh, they renounce the desires of the flesh, believing that self mortification would bring you into a higher spiritual state. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that there are, you got one, on one side, you have these people that are saying, hey, let's do it till we're satisfied. And then on the other side, you have the ascetics who are basically saying, no, don't do anything. Deny yourself. Because if you want to be very, very spiritual, hear me well now, if you want to attain a nearness with God, if you want to be elevated in the spirit, then you have to deny your flesh. So, they're in between these two. And all of this is going on in the church. So... Let's start reading. And, and another thing I want to point out real quick is that chapter 6 flows into chapter 7 really well. Because and remember, when we leave um, chapter 6, what is he saying? Flee sexual immorality. That's what he's saying. Flee sexual immorality. Now, in chapter 7, he picks up on the same subject. And let, let me start reading. It says, now for the matters. I'm at um I'm at chapter 7 verse 1. Chapter 7 verse 1. Get with me now. Now for the matters you wrote about. It is good for a man not to marry. But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Let me back up for a second. Now, you, saw, you see what they wrote in, in, in chapter 7, verse 1? Now for the matters you wrote about it's good for a man not to marry. The NIV, in my opinion, does not do this justice because uh, in other, in other uh, translations it'll say it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That's, in my opinion, is a more accurate translation of this. But since you guys are reading the NIV, then I'm going to go ahead and, and, and stick with the NIV. It is good for a man not to marry, but since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife her husband. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married, well, let me stop right there. Let me stop right there, okay? Now, first of all, he starts out and he says in uh, verse 1, it is good for a man not to marry, or it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, some people read that as, Paul making a statement of fact that is the wrong way to read it. What does it say? Look at it, look at it closely. Uh, if you're reading in the NIV Bible, if you're reading the NIV, now for the matters you wrote about, colon, it is good for a man not to marry or it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. He is now referencing, and, and in some versions what you'll see is you'll see that statement in quotation marks. And what, he's, what what that denotes is that now he's referencing the question that they asked him in the letter that they sent to him. So apparently what's happened is the ascetics within the church— are now promoting a doctrine that says because we abstain from these worldly pleasures, we are more spiritual. It takes us to a higher spiritual plane. That's, that, that, that's what he began to, to talk about. And what's this causing? Well, think about it for a second. If the man in the marital relationship says, I'm cutting you off. Notice I'm going to use the man tonight. I'm using the man. Um, if the man tells the woman, I'm cutting you off, what does that do to that woman? Even more realistically, if the woman who, and, and now go back into that society again, go back into that society again, if that woman with her newfound freedoms in Christ now says, because I'm free, brother mine, I'm cutting you off because I'm trying to go higher in God, I am trying to get closer to the Lord, because uh, uh, I want to be more spiritual, what does that do to the man? Well, what it does to either one of them is it opens them up. More importantly, what it does to both of them is it opens them up for Satan to enter into their relationship and destroy it. In those days, what it was was it was an open invitation for that man to go down and get with one of them temple prostitutes, it opened the door for him to satisfy his needs somewhere else. Are you seeing? Are you seeing? Are you seeing the picture now? Read it again. Let's read it again. But since there is so much, I'm at verse two. Immorality. Each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife her husband now verse 4 and, and, and many of us think about this as, as it being in control of the other person because where does it what does it say the wife's body does not belong to her and the husband and also the husband the husband's body does not belong to him we miss a little word there. See, sometimes when we're quoting it, we don't quote it correctly. What does the word say? Look at it again, verse uh, 4. The wife's body does not belong to her alone. What does it say in, in, in the following verse? In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone. Do you see what do you see there? Because now what you have is you introduce the two being one flesh in union. And oh, by the way, in the, midst of, in the midst of all of this, in a Christian marriage, in a Christian marriage, God seals the union. So God is in this thing, too. What do you mean uh, I do not belong to myself? I belong to Christ. In the, and, and the two of us are one, right? So we belong to God. We belong to each other. We are not alone in this thing. We are one flesh. And when we depart from one another in any way, shape, or form, in our thoughts, emotionally, physically. When we depart from one another, what are we doing? We are opening the door to the devil. I cannot stress it enough. I do not belong to me alone. I belong to Cheryl Lynette Burns, period. I belong to Jesus Christ, period. Yeah. I am not my own. What You might see me by myself, but I am a part of something and a part of somebody else. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. And the two of us are one flesh. You got to get that part right. You got to get that part right. And oh, by the way, I'm talking about a Christian marriage. I am talking about a Christian marriage. I ain't talking about these justice of the peace marriages. I am not talking about what I call these in-between marriages. I am talking about those who have committed themselves to Christ, those who walk according to his word, those who are members of the kingdom community, those who are under the kingdom rule of God. The rest of them, they're on their own. I ain't going to do that. They want to go out and marry a man. That's, I ain't got nothing to do with that. That's, that, that, that that's, that's, that's for the world to judge. Paul told us that in the previous chapter. He said, what they're doing in the world, I ain't got nothing to do with that. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not letting them judge me, and I'm not judging them. According to their king, they're doing right. I don't know, I don't know how they operate over there. So, and, and, you know, one of the mistakes that Christians make one of the mistakes that Christians make is that on the one hand, they say that my marriage is under God, and on the other hand, they go out and they run their marriage according to the ways of the world. A big mistake there, big mistake. If you want to have, if you want to have a good marriage in Christ, then you got to do it the way he said do it. It's as simple as that. Okay, it says, Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for time. I'm at verse 5. So that you may devote yourself to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession and not as a command. You know, one of the things that, that we get hung up in, and, you know, I like the King James version of this because they talk about rendering due benevolence. And all you who have never got to the King James, y'all will never appreciate that word, due benevolence. Y'all hear older people say it and King James folks say it, and y'all will say, due benevolence? What are you talking about? Hey, due benevolence. That's the one thing that if, if a man don't know nothing else and he's been to church at any length of time and he's one of the older men, all you got to do is hit him on John 3.16. He know John 3.16 and he know do benevolence. That's all he know. Anyway, that's the joke, by the way. <clears throat> but part of the problem that we have in marriage is that sometimes we think that the only thing that marriage is for is procreation. The only thing that marriage is for is for uh no, that's not the intent of marriage. What do you, go back to the garden. What was the reason that God made woman for man? Number one, he saves no suitable companion, and he needed a helpmeet. So one of the principal things about marriage is it's all about companionship. It's all about love. It's all about intimacy. Those are the goals of marriage, not just boom, 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 as the young people say it. I got that boom, 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 boom. No! You know, you, you, the, the amount of time you spend in that area is minuscule compared to the amount of time that you'll spend in companionship and in intimacy. With and, and when I say intimacy, I mean just being close and picking each other's brain and and talking about each other and and loving and when I say love, I mean being committed to one another. Those are those are the that that those are the key principles of marriage. And this is what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, look, here here's a better way. Here here's a better way of saying, it. I like food. Y'all, everybody know I love food. You got this. You got this uh, chocolate Sunday or uh, vanilla Sunday, whatever, or banana split. On the very, very top of that Sunday, on the very, very top of that banana split, they always put a maraschino cherry. Good evening. Hey, Linda, how you doing? They always put a maraschino cherry. And that makes that Sunday beautiful, that makes that Sunday complete, that makes that Sunday even more inviting. But is it all about the maraschino cherry, or is it the ice cream and the stuff that's underneath it? Well, the, the sexual aspect of marriage is the maraschino cherry. I'm not going in there and telling somebody to give me a maraschino cherry. No. I want a banana split. I want a, a big old Sunday and it's the ice cream that's underneath. Well, compare that with marriage. It's the love, it's the commitment, it's the companionship, It's the intimacy that's important. That, that, that sexual aspect of it, that's just the maraschino cherry. You got that? I'm going to spend more time on that that, that Sunday. Or that banana split, than I am on that maraschino cherry, and so that's what that's what that's what Paul is tra- drawing us into. He's saying, "Wait a second, hold it! What's going to be, what's going to happen is all of that's going to be destroyed. All of the, all of the good stuff is going to be destroyed because you open the door to th- that one thing by denying the one thing." And I, let, let me go on with that illustration. So they give you. Your banana split, and they don't give you your maraschino cherry. And you sit up there thinking, they forgot the cherry. They forgot the cherry. Now you take that illustration the rest of the way. Let's keep going. Because I'm, I'm at ooh, 22, and I haven't even gotten to know where I need to be. Okay. Now to the unmarried. I'm at verse 8. And the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So now he's saying to the singles who are not married, because of the current conditions, and it will be borne out in later passages and later parts of this chapter, because of the current conditions that we find ourselves, it is better for you to stay the way you are. But if you can't control your passions, then you need to go and get married. Because, why? Because you are always, your mind and everything else, always going to be on that one thing, being married. Because, why? Because you don't have the gift of celibacy. Let me keep going. To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. So do you think that Paul had special revelation from the Lord in that matter that we don't have? No, he did not. Go to Matthew chapter 19. Turn over real quick. I don't know if I could, if I should read the whole thing or not. No, I don't think I can read the whole thing. Look at Matthew chapter 19. You there yet? Because I'm, so, I'm still flipping pages. 19 verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Hear that again. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and a wife, It is better not to marry. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept this. You know what? I'm running out of time. I think I'm going to stop I'm going to leave that passage in your crawl. Back up just for a second and go back through the first um nine verses and see if we can put some application to them real quick for the next 3 or 4 minutes. And at the same time, I want you guys to get your questions ready. What is he saying? First of all, he's saying he's saying no. To asceticism, he's saying marriage is God's way. Marriage is God's way. It is fulfilling the plan of God. He is reinforcing the principles of God and honoring marriage. I know we got a lot of people that say, you know, it's not necessary to be married, uh, you know, or we can do this or we can do that, and that's not true at all in in the kingdom of God. God, from the beginning, meant man and woman to be together. In Judaism, in Judaism, rabbis believe that when you fail to marry, that it is a Sin against the will of God. Rabbis also believe that when you fail to fulfill the marital commitment, that it is a sin against God. Rabbis and Jews are thoroughly against, and we are, Christians too. to say that singles are wrong or being single is wrong. No, 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 no. I'm just merely commenting right now on the marriage, what God joins together. Okay, that's what I'm commenting on because everybody uh, has not been blessed to be married. And there's there's a lot more in this chapter about the unmarried. But we should celebrate marriage. We should honor marriage. Marriage, and once we are married, we should honor each other by being committed to each other, by being um, the, working on the ability to be the other's companion, by working on the intimacy within the relationship, knowing that you have given yourself to each other and being supportive of each other. And again, intimacy is is one of them like you got you gotta talk, you got to listen, you gotta talk when you don't want to talk, you gotta listen when you don't wanna listen, you got to hear what you don't want to hear, you got to see what you don't wanna see, you've got to do some stuff that you perhaps don't want to do. Why? Because it's all a part of you. hmm Woman, that man is a part of you. And there's some stuff about him that you're going to see that you're going to say, oh, I didn't know all of this was here, but it's mine. I didn't know his feet smell like that, but it's mine. Them stanky feet is mine. I did not know she was going to do this. I didn't know she could snore like this, but it's mine. Everything about your partner is yours and we have to be willing to serve one another yeah it ain't it's more than just can out the garbage sometimes it's it's doing some stuff that you do not want to do and you can't stand doing it but you do it why because i'm committed to her and we never never give in to this you know one of the things that i have um that i have to counsel a lot of young men about is when their wives are withholding because, you know, they're making – and I think it's just because they're making the adjustments to being married and that uh, sometimes, you know, their the sexual drives are not compatible. One is higher than the other one and all that kind of stuff. And I have to, you know – and all of a sudden, this woman just shuts down, and the brother don't know what to do, and he's tried this, and he's tried that, and he's tried the other or or every now and then it's vice versa. The bottom line is this: when that happens, what you are doing is you're opening the door to the devil, and you've got to get that under control and you as you say and you've got to be more considerate to that other individual. It's, that, it's, it's that's, that's what it is. Now, I stopped at, a, at verse 10. I stopped at verse 10 by reading to you that where he says, I give this command, not I but the Lord, and showing you what the Lord said concerning marriage in Matthew chapter 19. That's where we're going to stop for this week because my 30 minutes are up. And... What I want to do is I want to pick up here. I thought I could cover the whole thing. I'm I'm just crazy like that, but we'll we'll pick up the whole thing. But remember, the overriding thought is stay where you are. That's what the whole chapter's that's what this whole chapter's going to be. Stay exactly where you are. And we are, um, that we are one, and we don't do things that open the door for the devil to enter our marriage. Amen? Let's stop right there. Put your questions on the screen. Uh, for those of you who are listening on Blog Talk Radio, It's um, uh, the call-in number is 929-477-2304. Um, let's go ahead on and have a word of prayer, and then I'll, if there's any questions, I'll answer them. Otherwise, we're going to call it a night. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name we come. Once again, once again, God, you give us more than we can digest. We pray, God, that in our marriages and in our the witness of our marriage, that it be a kingdom marriage, that it be a marriage that glorifies you and not one that satisfies our own selfish selves. God, that you, O oh God, would be Lord of our marriages and that even as we bow to you, that we bow to each other. Just like Ephesians 5 uh, teaches us that we are to submit ourselves to one another, we pray, O God, that as a husband and as a wife, that we submit ourselves to our spouse, that we would bow, that we would put ourselves in order under them, that we would put ourselves in order under you, that we would place ourselves in order Positions of submission and support. That we would carry each other. That we would be committed to each other. That we would have compassion on one another. Oh God, we bless you and we praise you. We glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, any questions tonight? Any questions? Going once and twice. Okay, we'll pick up at chapter 7 verse 10 next week. You be blessed. Have a wonderful evening. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns with the Word on Wednesday. Have a wonderful evening and be blessed.